Welcome to the RV Podcast. This is episode 418. And this week we talk about everything you need to know, and I mean everything, about winterizing your RV. Hello, everybody. I'm Mike Wendland, and this is my lifelong traveling companion and my bride, Jennifer. We're coming to you from our very own Loblolly Ridge, <laughs> located uh, in Middle Tennessee, near the town of Linden, in a place uh, called the Woodlands of Buffalo River. And uh, it's a beautiful day here. It's funny that we're going to be talking about winterizing, because the temperature is in the 70s. It's shirt sleeve weather. But I looked at the weather forecast, that's as we record this, because by the time you're reading it, massive cold fronts will have come in through the Midwest uh, and the North, and uh, it's going to be cold. It's going to be cold down here, and this is a special week for us because we're hosting a gathering of many of our friends and supporters, uh, the gathering at the Buffalo River. And uh, we're all going to have fun. I think we have 14 states represented. Wow. Every kind of RV from, you know, uh, Class Bs, Class Cs, Class As, uh, fifth wheels, towables, and uh, they're all coming. And it's uh, it's going to be a great time. We're recording this, obviously, before that event gathers, uh, it begins. It's uh, really uh, from Monday to Thursday of this week. So uh, we're recording this when we have a little bit of a break. And I wish... You could hear the wind through the loblolly pines here. At the I wish we had a camera so that people could see the camera set up for to record us and Bo. We're sitting at a picnic table and he can't figure out how to get close enough to us. He's yeah. kind of coming at us from all directions. Well, we got here uh, last night and uh, went into town to eat dinner. We left Bo and we just came because we've been leaving our Arcadia fifth wheel here and left him and he... Uh, uh, he didn't like being left. <laughs> he was yeah, not happy about it. Like, like he's going to be a COVID dog. <laughs> he's uh, used to being with his people. It's uh, It's been a very busy week for us. Uh, this is a, also an exciting week besides this gathering. This is a big week for Jen and me and Bo personally. Because we have bought some property, 10 acres to be exact, in Michigan with uh, a little bit of a lake on it. They call it a lake, but seems more like a pond to me <laughs> but we'll be exploring that as we settle in there we could call it a lake i mm -hmm. think because the, they call it a lake yeah and uh we're not going to go real specific like we did here because uh, people keep coming by and you know for security it's a little different up there in, uh, in michigan but we're in a pretty remote area it's southwest michigan uh, we're not too far from the town of kalamazoo uh, near the head uh, of the wine-growing, uh, grape-growing region in southwest uh, Michigan, not too far from Lake Michigan. True. And Short distance. We want to explore the uh, western side of the state, the sunset side of the state. We usually spend all our time on the east or the north. Or the sunrise side over there where you look across Lake Huron and you see the sun rising. And now near Lake Michigan, we watch the sun setting. So mm -hmm. hence sunside uh, and sun upside. Um, but the big reason we bought this property is uh, it's right around the corner. Biggest reason, it's all location, location. Right around the corner is our youngest son, Jeff, and his wife, Amy, and two precious grandchildren. And we're looking forward to being able to walk across to them and maybe do some fishing on the lake and maybe even some ice fishing. 
True. Yeah, and we, kids we get had to it. cut through a farmer's field. Yeah. A little shortcut to get to the kids' house. So. And I think it's going to work out. We'll, we'll have to do kind of. We did a little thing on Instagram. We showed some of it because it's it's pretty neat. Uh, a lot of work. One of the big things is we're going to live permanently uh, on that 10 acres. There is a house there, but it's a house that we need to extensively remodel. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be a long project. It's going to be a project. I think it would have been easier to have built a house. It probably would have been. And uh, we'll be keeping our, we'll be taking our Arcadia fifth wheel. We'll keep it up there. And uh, we'll also keep it down here in Tennessee. That's one of the reasons we love that fifth wheel. It's like our base camp. It was so nice to come back to it this week. And uh, we're, we're excited. So we have lots to talk about. But so we're downsizing in our Dixon and Bricks house. Yes, downsizing. But Way we downsizing. kind of upsized. <laughs> <laughs> we upsized our RV, uh, you know, from a Class C, Class B to a, a fifth wheel, 32 and a half foot fifth wheel. And then we're downsizing our house. So kind of all equals out, I guess. So right? all of you who have downsized, you know how challenging this is. Yes, it is. Uh, but this is a big thing for us. We've been looking for this this property in 10 acres. Uh, it's hard to find that that part of the state and uh, we're really excited about it. Just uh, so we can't wait to show you more of it. Uh, probably won't be till spring or summer when we, uh, you know, we get it. I wish the fall was beautiful. The trees are in full bloom up mm -hmm. there. But uh, um, they start, uh, uh, we got to start uh, figuring out how we're going to do everything, and as we do, we'll we'll share. But uh, meantime, we're excited about this gathering down here in Tennessee. We've been talking about this. It's almost been a year now since we've had this property. We have mm -hmm. three sites here for friends and family. We're ready to go with phase two, which is kind of an extended outdoor space we're thinking about, and uh, then again, we think maybe putting a little structure of some sort in as well. But we'll. We'll figure that out. That's the beauty. It's very, very campable now and uh, full hookups. We are really enjoying it. We are. All right. Um, as nice as it is here today, it's going to get cold. And I don't know what part of the country you're at, but it's going to get cold there. There are as many ways to winterize as there are states that have uh, different experiences with winter. But we're going to try and talk about some of the general things that everybody needs to do, how and why, with our friend uh, Todd uh, Henson from the RV Training Academy. Todd is, uh, sometimes they call him the beard. You'll know why <laughs> if you don't remember seeing him in our previous stories. But uh, he is going to exhaustively treat the issue of winterization for you. He's going to destroy a couple of myths, give you some good ideas. Uh, and um, as soon as we come back from this break... We're going to uh, talk winterizing. Tired of overcrowded campgrounds and competing for reservations, paying high fees for sites? Well, ownership is an emerging trend in RVing that might be right for you. It was for Jen and me. We bought some land just west of Nashville, Tennessee, in an incredible collection of mountaintop RV properties called the Woodlands at Buffalo River. These are five to 62 acre properties that allow RVs year round starting at $79,900. And we loved it. The scenery is breathtaking and you can own it outright. It's not a timeshare, it's your property, your way. You can landscape, garden, bring your pets, build what you want to. There's high speed internet and it's so private. It's a great place to make your home base. No more calling around for reservations, ready whenever you want. And they're selling these properties by appointment, five to 62 acres, $79,900. 
financing, big discounts available on multi-lot packages. For information, visit MyRVLand.com. MyRVLand.com. When we're on a road trip, we always seem to find a way to stop at a Camping World Center. There are over 225 Camping World locations across the country, and there's always one close by when we need parts and accessories for our RV or just want to shop. In fact, uh, we have so much fun with uh, Camping World, and as we talk about it as one of our sponsors, they have agreed to offer a 10% discount if you use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you buy $99 or more in merchandise. You'll find everything you want from outdoor furniture and appliances, the ones you see us use in our videos and that we talk about here in the podcast. RV extras that include everything from camping chairs to fire pits, electrical accessories, must-have gadgets. Check them all out. And again, don't forget, use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you visit CampingWorld.com. Welcome back. And uh, as much as we hate to talk about winterizing, I always dread that. It's just so symbolic of the end of having so much freedom and fun because now to get warm for those of us who are in the northern states we have to travel a long ways to to warm up again but uh it's something that we have to deal with and to help us understand what's involved is our friend uh, todd henson from the rv training academy now uh, todd uh, i want to talk about you're going to love the way he talks if you don't remember him from previous appearances on the podcast he has an online course that the rv training academy has done that we just can't recommend it. They're part of our partners page uh, on rvlifestyle.com. We'll put a link uh, down here for you. Uh, if you want to learn how to do the basic maintenance and repairs that we all should be able to do with our RVs, we can't recommend that course enough. But right now we're going to uh, sit down and talk with Todd about winterization. Just a caution. Every RV is a little different knobs you turn in different spots so this does not substitute for you uh, if you're going to do it yourself looking at the manual that came with your rv but with that said todd's got a lot to teach us well joining us right now is todd henson todd the beard from the national rv training academy todd it's great to have you back on the program again well you know what it's an honor to be back i i greatly appreciate it you're the first one that's ever brought me back <laughs> <laughs> i don't think so hey the question is actually we want to we want to maybe bring you back twice because we want we've got lots to talk about here as the weather turns colder in okay in, in this part we want to talk about winterization and then if i could bring you back next week i'd like to talk about storing your rv because um, you know, there's so many new RVers who are going to encounter their first batch of winter weather very soon. And even right. some of the experienced RVers are a little unsure of a couple of things, winterization and storage. Right. This week, let's talk about winterization. Right. When do they need to winterize those RVs? Okay. Well, um, so when, now here's the thing, when we are talking about winterization, what we're trying to do is protect our plumbing uh, from freezing water. We know as water freezes, it expands and that water is under pressure. It's in pipelines. It's it just has no place to go. So it ends up causing problems. It creates cracks. And then as soon as we go back out, we turn on the water, of course, we have a huge problem. So when do we winterize? Of course, is whenever the uh, whenever the temperature outside begins to drop. 
Now, where it's difficult is, is for how long? Uh, right now here in Texas, we're, we're enjoying our second spring. Uh, so it is getting upwards in the 90 degrees, low 90s in the afternoon. But when we wake up in the morning, we're in the low 50s. The problem that we have is, is as we continue to get into October, that number is finally going to come down. And again, we may be in the 70s in the afternoon, but in the 30s in the morning, right? And that's that's the deadly time for us as RVers, because even for a few hours, when we have a half-inch line, it doesn't take very long to freeze those. So let's talk about the different ty- uh, different types of our um, our winterization processes that we can do. But the first and foremost, you know, we're talking about when. Uh, first off, if your season is over, obviously you want to go ahead and winterize. So in other words, you're back home, you're not scheduling anything uh, through the winter months, through the autumn months, that would be the best time to do it. It is best to do it when it's not freezing. Um, if you're still uh, RVing out there, one of the things that you can do is if you can keep it plugged into shore power, and if you have a Four Seasons RV or all seasons, they give it different names. And if you have tank warmers, turn those on, turn your furnace on or aqua hot system. Now you don't have to keep it at 70 degrees, but you can set that down to its lowest temperature, maybe 50, 55 degrees, save your uh, propane or save your fuel, whichever one you're using, but you want to pretend like you're living in it. If you can pretend like you're living in it, that's just as good as winterization. Now there's three different types uh, of winterization. Well, let me just stop you right there. So if sure. you, if you have your heater heaters on, and the temperatures inside the RV is 50, if you have those tank heaters, right. you're, you're good for most of the winter at that temperature when it's cold? So two years ago here in Texas, we had that you know freak snowstorm where we got negative 20. I didn't winterize. I just pretended like I lived there. So I kept the furnace up. I mean, I was changing out my propane tanks every day. But yeah, we set the furnace down to about 50 degrees. I turned on the tank warmers and left the water heater on and not a problem. I mean, below t- it was 20 below zero uh, for several of those days. And it, it runs just fine, right? As long as you can create enough heat inside the RV and then in the storage bay. Yeah. You don't have to winterize. Wow. Well, that's how full timers, you know, full timers who don't know how to RV and they stay in the winter, you know, stay in the winter States, <laughs> you know, that it's the same thing. They just, they just live in it. So you just keep it warm. But there's a lot of folks who who are just going to be putting their RV to bed, so to speak, for uh, the yeah. winter season. And yeah. uh, I, I want to go back to that half-inch line because yeah. I have heard a lot of people say, you really have to do it as soon as the temperature is at, say, 28 degrees consistently for you know several hours. If it warms up to 50s and 60s in the daytime and then at night, you, you know, you got a couple of days in there. Is that right. true or uh, are, they, well, um, that's a, are they playing with fire? That's that's a Texas winterization, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And here's the thing. If you're if you're asking me when uh, I want to go on the safe side. Um, but, yes, you you determine your own level of risk you want to take. I can tell you that yeah, it is totally true for us. And our own experience is a couple hours a day or something like that. It's not going to um, damage the lines. I just don't want that to be 
you know, taken as gospel <laughs> yeah. because there's, there's different factors out there. You know, what is a couple hours to some, you know, uh, you know, if it gets above freezing, let's say if it stays up to 35, well, that water's still going to be really cold. And so by the next morning where it only takes a couple hours, it's that much closer to freezing. Got it. So yes, um, in a, in a practical application, a couple hours, but again, let's look at it from a standpoint, if you're done for the season, it's best to do a lot of the things that we do on the RV when the temperatures are moderate. We shouldn't wait till it's nearly freezing to go outside uh, of the RV and, and begin to do maintenance. It, it doesn't make sense. You know, do it whenever the, the temperatures are nice and okay if you're putting it up. All right. Now let's talk about what they need to do. Realizing, of course, every RV is different and has its own unique instructions. Look in the manual. Right. But uh, what are the things we need to do? Okay. Now there's a couple of different ways um, out there that you can quote winterize. And I, I really only choose one. I prefer one. And that of course is to use a propylene gly uh, glycol or food grade antifreeze. Okay. The other version is to blow it out. Okay. Um, let me quickly cover that. If you blow out your lines, what you're trying to do is vacate all of your uh, plumbing lines, vacate the water, and just simply insert air. Um, a couple considerations, your lines were not able to handle a lot of the pressure that a um, air, air compressor can push. So you really want to set that pressure down below 60 PSI, probably around 50 PSI. But the problem that I see with this is, especially with a lot of our appliances, right? As I'm pushing that water out, I don't have just straight lines. I've got coils inside. If I have a, a tankless water heater or something like that, I've got coils. If you have an aqua hot system, you've got coils, right? And that's where water sits. Well, as I'm pushing that water up and out, I'm not going to get it all out. So as soon as I stop the pressure, water falls right back down. Um, but we also have bends and curves. We've got um, uh, check valves. I've got pressure until it gets on the other side of that check valve, then I can still have water. To me, um, it, it doesn't make sense to uh, use air pressure to push it out. As a matter of fact, if you have an aqua hot system or many brands of our tankless water heaters, they will tell you in the manual, do not use compressed air. I know it's out there. And uh, for a lot of people, they're able to pull it off. So I want to recommend using just uh, food grade antifreeze. Now stuff. I know that there's a lot of the, the pink, pink stuff, stuff, correct? Yep. Yep. And really, um, honestly, the best place to get that is at your local auto parts store. So the same supplier that supplies most of the RV dealerships also is the same supplier for the local auto parts stores. And so they'll have it there in most cases. I know you can get it at the big box stores, you know, the, the marts that begin with wall and whatnot, but you can also get it at your local auto parts store. They, you know, they won't know what it is. You'll just have to say the pink stuff and say, hey, that stuff over there with all the dust on it. Right. Um, but I want to show you every single, I, I can walk up on any RV out there with one little, little attachment and you can actually winterize the system by pumping in food grade antifreeze. All so right. I want to show you uh, what it is, is just a half inch, um line that i have here just a clear line it's half inch now this is clear it doesn't have to be clear i just got this at you know the big box store um but i also got a half inch barb fitting to a half inch 
National Pipe Thread, which is MPT. I never could say it right. MPT. Here's the thing. All RVs have a water pump somewhere. All RVs have a water pump somewhere. If we can just simply get to the water pump and disconnect the inlet side to the water pump and connect this hose to that water pump. On the other side of the hose, we actually put this in our food grade antifreeze. So right here, I'm using a just a five-gallon bucket, and I'll, I'll talk about that here in just a second. Um, by the way, you can't see the name there because they're not a sponsor for neither the channel. <laughs> not, not a, it's not a shameless plug other than maybe it's a plea. Hey, guys, come on. Why don't you sponsor somebody? All right, All right here's the thing. If you have a five-gallon bucket and this tube right here, then it's just a simple process. Again, if we take this and connect it to the inlet side of our water pump, and the inlet side is actually kind of easy to find because there's always going to be a strainer right in front. Just simply take it off, no tools required, disconnect that, reconnect this. We're redirecting where that water pump is you know, getting its fluid from. In this case, it's gonna be a five gallon bucket. Now, if you have say a small travel trailer, two gallons will be enough to completely winterize your RV. If you have a larger fifth wheel, a class A, four to five gallons, add a gallon if you have a dishwasher, add another gallon if you have a washing machine. So maximum of seven gallons um, of fluid. This is why I have a five gallon bucket, okay? If, if you can get to the water pump, then on any RV out there, all we do is just simply redirect where, that, um, where we're getting our fluid from we go inside to our control board, whatever control board we have, we just simply put it on water pump. And here's the thing, we wanna to go to each and every uh, faucet that we have. We'll do one side first. So let's say cold side first. So open the cold and let the clear water come out until the pink comes in, right? Turn that off and then the hot side, right? The hardest part is remembering every single um, uh, water appliance we have. So you got your faucets, your toilet, okay? If you have an RV style toilet, on the back of that toilet, you have a vacuum breaker and there's a small amount of water there. You need to flush the toilet till there's pink. Outside, uh, if you have an outside kitchen or an outside water hose or a faucet, whatever there may be, hot uh, cold side, then hot side, you can do either way, or hot side first, then cold side. You wanna run all of that till the pink comes out. Um, if you have a washing machine, reason for the extra gallon is you're going to have to run that load until pink stuff gets into the washing machine. We want to protect, of course, the components and the lines going into the washing machine. And the same thing for our dishwasher, should we have one. If you have a residential style refrigerator that has a uh, ice maker connected to it, go ahead. The manufacturer recommends running uh, the pink stuff into the ice. Okay. So that just means whenever you come back out your first couple of drinks, you know, just get an umbrella because it's going to be pink ice. <laughs> now it's food grade antifreeze. It's not, it's not going to hurt you, but you'll probably have to take that ice and dump that out until you get clear ice. One option is, is you can shut off the, the water flow to your uh, refrigerator. You should have a cutoff. Now, most RVs, now they're putting that cutoff on the outside of the RV. Uh, if your RV is just a, a couple of years old, it may be somewhere in the kitchen under the sink, just like it would be in the house. 
If you simply cut that off, you still have the water, you know, going up to the freezer. So what I would recommend, if you do decide to do that, get your small bowl, disconnect that line once you shut it off and let the water drain back into a bowl, right? Now you've vacated that water there. Um, keep running the ice maker until all the ice is out and then simply turn it off. The one thing I failed to mention from the very beginning, that is to dump your holding tank. If you have water in your holding tank, you want to go ahead and dump it. Same thing for your gray tank and your black tank. Now, it's up to you if you want to leave a third of water in the black tank. No matter what, we're going to get you know some considerations with the black tank whenever we winterize. If you completely dry it out, just know that you're going to have dry pyramids You know, uh, when we get back out of the winter months. Uh, there's no water in there for the bacteria to kind of break down the solids. So um, either way, I mean, as long as you're not above a third, you know, on there. And even with that, I think that's still playing with fire. I'd rather just keep it empty. We do want, we would presume water would rise as it freezes, but sometimes the weight of water itself won't rise and they'll just kind of push out on the side. So just, just dump them all and just know that you're going to have to, Take care of that whenever you're done. Um, low point drains. Okay. If you have low point drains, open those up till the pink stuff comes out and then close it. So once you do that, your showers, I mean, again, that's the hardest part is remembering everything. But once you get all that done, you have pink stuff everywhere. Now, I know a lot of people will say, hi, ah, what about the P-traps? Well, you actually take care of the P-trap because, of course, you turn on the faucet until the pink stuff comes out, right? Do both sides, turn on the faucet until the pink stuff comes out. Don't mix it. Um, it actually comes 100%. That's what we want. Um, if you look at the, the food grade antifreeze, it says, depending on the brand you have, it'll say it's good till about negative 25 or negative 50. The neat thing about this food grade antifreeze is even at negative 25, if it freezes, it doesn't expand. And it turns into a slushy. So your your lines are still taken care of. Well, now I have one question. A lot of the newer motorhomes and RVs have a um, uh, on the side utility uh, access point where you can actually hook up that uh, that hose as well. So you can do it from outside without having to even yeah. bother with the water pump. Is that correct? Yeah, if you... If you have a wet bay uh, system, yeah. now that could be under an Anderson uh, can't leak model or Nautilus where you have the levers. Yes. Right. So you'll have to look at uh, the guidelines with the levers. And then from there, what you're doing is you're going to use your internal water pump. Now, the water pump that we have, the on-demand water pump, it pushes better than it sucks. So get a, get a hose. But like in this case, I've got like a three-foot hose, right? I would still do the same thing. I would put my uh antifreeze in here and i would take the small hose and i would hook it up just like i would the regular hose going to the city hook this into the wet bay take the other side and put it in the uh five gallon bucket because again the the pump itself um it can't really pump through a 20-foot hose we don't really want to use a 20-foot hose just get a small one because remember it pushes better than it sucks Right. So, what about yes. the water heaters? We haven't talked about the water heaters. We got the, the plumbing ah, system set, but how about water yes. heaters? All right. Everyone's different. Again, I know that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have a tankless water heater, okay, pretend like it's not there and let the food grade antifreeze run through. 
even though they're tankless, there's a small reservoir. Well, that small reservoir isn't that much. So um, let the uh, food grade antifreeze go through there. The problem with those, like I said, is just like with the um, AquaHot system, they have a burner assembly, and then they run the lines around that burner assembly, and that's how we heat up the water. Well, again, if I have coils filled with water, I can't blow it all out. So I'll just run the food grade antifreeze through them. So if you have a tankless system, instant hot, whatever you want to call it, or a aqua hot, a hydronic system, use the food grade antifreeze. If you have a tank system, okay, two different ways. Uh, if you have your um, water-based system, wet-based system, of course, when you put it on winterize, you're bypassing what's in the water heater. What we want to do now is vacate the water in the water heater. So the steps on that is, you know, we have hot water in there, upwards of 140 degrees. We don't want to just go over there with our uh, socket and start taking it apart. It's too hot and it's under pressure. So what we're going to do is turn off the heat. And the best way to do that is go to your control board and just simply turn your water heater off. Now, from there, you've got no more power going to it. What you could do is go to a faucet. And as I say before, you did your food grade antifreeze. Turn on the hot water. Leave uh, the pressure, leave the water going into the hot water because all pressure comes from the cold water side. So as you turn on the hot water faucet, you're pulling out the hot water and you're pushing regular cold water back into it. You will know when you got all the hot water out because, of course, all you got to do is just touch the water. And once it's room temperature, you know you've replaced the hot water, which is fine. Okay, so let's do that. So now the situation is, is I've got room temperature water in my water heater. Okay, so now I turn off the faucet, go outside. It's still under pressure. Okay, whenever we heat up water, you know, the top of our water heater, there's always that air pocket. That air pocket is for expansion. That can get upwards of 150 PSI. So we don't want to go wrenching on that. So you have a P&T valve up top, a pressure and temperature valve right? Up there, it's a spring-loaded handle. So we just simply step aside. And what we're going to do is we're going to relieve the pressure. I've got high pressure on the inside. So I'm going to just open that up, step aside, and water's going to spew out. And it'll spew out for a second. Then it'll just simply stop and you'll hear it inhale, right? Now we've equalized the pressure on both sides. Depending on the brand, and I already know the sizes, if you have a Suburban, you want to get a 1 and 1 16th inch socket, deep well socket, to take out the anode rod. If you have a Dometic or Atwood, it's going to be a 15 16th inch socket. So in either brand, you know, again, we're going to turn off the heat to it. We're going to pull the hot water out. We're going to relieve the pressure. Then we could take out the anode rod out of the Suburban or the drain plug out of the Atwood or Dometic. Let that water drain. Now, if you let it drain and there's still water pressure going in there, well, you're kind of defeating the purpose. So what we have to do is turn off the water now. So we go outside, whether we're using city water or whatnot, turn that off. Let that water drain. If you have a Nautilus system, boom, you just simply turn it to winterize and you have shifted where that water is going and it's no longer going to the water heater. If you don't have a wet base system, oh, this is where you have to crawl in the RV and figure out where your water heater is. And if you can't figure it out, the best place to start is outside. 
right? So you get outside your rig. Is it going to be on street side or is it curbside? Okay, well, it's on street side. It's roughly in the middle. So now you go inside the RV and figure out roughly in the middle. There's probably some cabinet there. Down below, you have to get behind the uh, water heater. And behind the water heater, you're going to have a selection of valves. And this is where it gets really different, right? What you want to do is put those valves in bypass mode. So you want to look at your manual to find, find out which way you turn your valves. The bypass means is all pressure comes from the cold water side. So cold water is going into the water heater and it simply comes out. And what we want to do is bypass that water heater, let the cold water now go up into the hot water lines and go this way not back into the water heater. So that's that's why we're actually turning those um, shutoff valves. Well, so again, depending on the brand, I can get you all the way to there, but because each each OEM does their valves a little bit differently, that's why I have to recommend you look at the service manual. Now we'll, we'll run a transcript of this interview and put it in the blog post because it sounds, I've done this now for 10 years myself and I remember the first time I heard it, it sounds a lot more complicated than it is. It really does go pretty easily. And Todd makes this so easy uh, to understand. Now we've got it winterized, right? Yes. Now, the next step, and that's what I'd like to uh, continue this conversation next week and talk about uh, how we um, store our RV. What do we need to do now that we got it winterized? and well, We're putting it away for a, a couple of months at least. So, would you uh, come back with us next week and talk about that? Yes. We All right. Do that. Todd Henson is great. And again, I want to thank you so much. And we are so excited to be able to uh, also urge people to take this uh, awesome uh, RV maintenance class that you guys make. It's all online. It's all so easy. You are the uh, rock star of this thing. And we will put a link to that. We'll talk a lot more about it in the uh uh, on the podcast and in our show notes, but uh, we'll see you next week as we talk about stories. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Now I know he said a lot of stuff there. So uh, my recommendation is go to rvlifestyle.com, look under the podcast notes for this uh, episode, and uh, we'll have a transcript of all that uh, Todd uh, talked about and you can follow along there. And uh, he agreed to come back with us next week. And we're going to talk about, uh, for those of you who have to store your RV, how you need to do that safely. So thanks to Todd. And once again, I want to plug that course that they teach, uh, online course, how to do your own maintenance. Uh, check it out. Well worth your time, especially you got winter time. If you're not camping as much, learn how to take care of your RV. It really will save you lots of stress in the long run. And nobody teaches it better than Todd and the RV Training Academy. All right. Uh, when we come back, questions of the week. When we're asked what's the most important modification we made to our RV, it's an easy answer. Battleborn batteries. Battleborn batteries are quality, safe, reliable lithium batteries that allow us to stay out there off the grid longer. Lithium batteries charge faster, they charge fuller, they're longer lasting, they're maintenance free. And battleborn batteries are protected by a 10 year guarantee. Now, in our case, they just dropped into the existing AGM batteries that we have, and they'll probably be the same on your rig too. Battleborn battery experts can get those in your rig just like they did with ours. They can also match you up with the right cabling, the inverter, the charger, the solar controller, everything. Jennifer and I swear by our Battleborn batteries. They allow us to boondock off the grid. Check them out. Go to rvlifestyle.com slash lithium rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. 
Welcome back, and now it's time for the questions of the week, and this one's for you, Mr. Mike. Okay. Now that you have had your uh, Arcadia fifth wheel for several months, how do you like it compared uh, to the motorhomes that we've had? You uh, Do you really need to have two? <laughs> <laughs> or is it because you want to relate to the uh, largest audience? Both seems like way too much. Uh, sometimes it is, isn't it? <laughs> it, it is. Uh, we're finding out that you have to have two of everything. And for example, we came in last night and I left the chargers for our computers uh, in our motorhome. And I left my gloves and mittens and supposed to get the motorhome really and week. our hiking shoes. And I was going to get them out of there and put them in the truck to bring down. And, you know, you think of it, and if you don't do it, at least for me, if you don't do it when you think of it. So in one sense, in that sense, it is too much because you really do, uh, after, after all this, have to have two of everything, I think. And that's expensive. But um, we really, first of all, let's just talk about that. Uh, that was the biggest surprise of my entire RV lifestyle career the last <laughs> almost 11 years now. Yours too, I think. Yeah how much we like this. This Arcadia fifth wheel, which they discontinued, by the way. They don't make our model. They made a smaller one. They make one. others. They make it a little larger, but we bought it and they discontinued it. Uh, oh, well, you figure that. But I would buy it again, because it is that, that great. It's 32 and a half feet, so much room. It feels like a cabin on wheels. It does, and with the L-shaped sofa and part of the sofa, we can pull it open and make a queen-size bed. It's uh, it's so spacious. I, we really like it. I'm surprised at how much we like it. We have um, a couple of video tours of it all, and, and I'm not going to re report all of that. Maybe you'll see some of the covering video on this uh, this part of the of the podcast. Those of you who watch it on uh, on YouTube, the video version. But um, do we really need to have two? No, you don't. <laughs> uh, it is a bit excessive. And, yes. And I. Um, you know, it's just that for most of our time, we were traveling around in a motorhome, and we love that convenience. And so we ordered um, a Class C motorhome from Lisa Travel Vans over, well, 18 months ago now, and we just got it a little over a month ago. Um, I probably wouldn't order it again because I think we can get by with one. For a while, I was a little bit worried about towing this and leveling it and unhooking it, and, and really, it's not nearly as challenging as I thought it was. Um, but we just aren't ready to give up our motorhome, Dad, either. We do love the convenience of stopping on a freeway rest area and taking a nap. But well, you we, can do that. Yeah, we <laughs> realize we can do this here. You have to camp with, you have to pull in you where the big the trucks, trucks are. But you just park and go and open it up and go inside and you still can do that. And this is good for if you're trying to cut back on what you eat because you'll say, oh, let's go have this. Like, uh, I don't yeah, think so. It's, you have to think about where you're going to park a yep. little bit. It's you easier in a motorhome. You don't pull in where the cars are. Yeah, you don't pull into fast foods and eat french fries and milkshakes. And that's good not to do that. Yes, it's very good. <laughs> uh, sometimes, sometimes it's not a bad idea. But uh, we really don't need two. And I suppose there will come a time that we will only have one. And I will go so far to say if I have to only have one, I think I would want the fifth wheel. Uh, I see, you know, down the line a little bit, maybe going, uh, you know, we'll maybe moving. If, if we build a, a cabin here in Tennessee, uh, we'll have a house in Michigan uh, on that RV property that we bought there. Um, then we probably won't need 
uh, all of that stuff and we would still want to have a small mm -hmm. motorhome to go back and forth and travel and because we're this is in our blood but for now I think you'll need one and then he asked that question he said you know do you, do you relate to the largest number of your audience and I think that's a small factor in it I mean we've done so much on motorhomes class B class C's but that is definitely um, a factor to me and we don't want to lose touch with what motorhome people want either so uh, that's why we have that's that's why we have two motorhomes what they have going for them is they're small and you can go visit people your kids anybody you want to go visit and park in their driveway or next to their house and uh, it's easier little harder little harder to go to go mooch docking with that is yeah, you know a little harder in the city yeah i mean that's 32 and a half feet long what the truck is 21 feet 20 feet long so you're talking about a semi <laughs> you know it's not a room to mooch dock in that very much right i know some people do it they find a way but um, right well, it's not a very will, practical there's a way. so uh, that's kind of uh, all the different thoughts that we had and why we have two and uh, i hope that answered your question i have one for you now from oh uh, one of our followers named rosalie and she says this is for jennifer what's the one thing you don't have that would make your rv perfect that would make my RV complete. Top of the list, ever since I went into a Class C Tiffin. And the Wayfarer. The Wayfarer and saw a washer and dryer, I thought I would really like that so that when we're out on the road, I don't have to go to all these different laundromats. Some are very, very nice and some are not so nice. No, we've been to some pretty bad ones. Um, now, the, the Tiffin, that's the only Class C we've seen that had, there. it's a big option, obviously. Yes, yeah. But uh, And it adds a lot of weight to your C. Yeah. Um, but um, they did have one, and that was at one of the RV shows. I think it was at Tampa we saw earlier this year. Because um, I saw that. You saw the the desk, and I like the desk, but I saw the washer and dryer. I thought, that would make my life easier. You know, there are some Class Cs that have them. Um, we do not have one in the Arcadia. Uh, it. The 34-foot model has uh, a, a place for optional washer and dryer, so maybe we need to upgrade that for two feet and we could get it. But that, I know, is a big deal because um, it is it's not fun to go to a laundry It's just me. It's well, not me that too. big I, of a deal. I end up taking you. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, well, some, yeah. Uh, so that's that would make it perfect? I, well, that would, that's just a luxury. Yeah. It's, it's, it's perfect enough. Okay. But that would—that's uh, a luxury. There's some things that are luxuries, like some, you know, like a levelers and the class Bs or Cs. You know, there's some things that are luxuries. Yeah, and, and I don't would, have to have, but would be nice. Yep. Uh, all right. So a washer and dryer would be really nice to have and mm -hmm. make it complete. What would make Jennifer. it complete for you? You got your desk, your work desk. Yeah, we. Uh, I, I, honest to goodness, I can't think of anything I would add to that at all. It, you know, if you thought of it, we'd add it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, maybe on my truck, a couple of things I'd add, but that's not my RV. But uh, I already told I, you you can't have a larger gas tank. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to put in a 90-gallon gas tank in it and, uh, instead of the 25 or whatever it has. How many miles can we drive with the 25? 700? Well, when you're not towing, you can drive almost 700, but um, when you're towing, it's, you know, 12 miles a gallon, which is what we get in our... Uh, Class C motorhome, by the way, 12.1 and that, and about that when we when we're towing in our with our truck. Okay, those are your questions. We would love to get comments and questions for you and all the things we talked about today. Just use our personal email, Mike and Jen, at rvlifestyle.com. 
thank you guys for watching. Um, we'll look on social media this week. You'll see lots of pictures from our gathering down here in Mid-Tennessee with all of our folks coming from all over the country. And we'll be back uh, on the podcast next week uh, with a return appearance by Todd Henson. And we're going to talk about storing your RV in the off-season. So stay with us. Come back next week and uh, stay on the blog every day, rvlifestyle.com. New content daily. Thanks for watching. Happy trails.